was a giant by the name of Goliath who had challenged the armies of Israel. He challenged them, said, give me a man that we, would, that we can fight. I said, when Saul and all Israel heard the words of this Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. And uh, it even says in one place they fled. Well, this was a pretty dismal situation. It, it appeared that there was sort of a standoff. That uh, the giant would come out and challenge him. And no one would, uh, uh, would, would challenge him. David's, David's daddy, Jesse, sent him with provisions for his brethren. Had three older brethren, I believe it was three, that was in the armies. And you remember, David was a lad of a boy. And uh, he tended to his father's sheep. But he came and he didn't like the situation he saw. And he began to ask questions about it. And one of his brethren, Eliab, uh, was upset with him. Said, well, you've just come to see the battle. You ought to be at home rather than down here. 29th verse, and David said, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? And, uh, and of course, you know the... The story, and then David, and David discussed with the king, King, uh, uh, King Saul, and he said, "Well, you're just a lad of a boy, and this is a man of war." Tried his armor on him. He said, "This hasn't been proven." And took the armor off, took his sling, picked up those stones. But the thing that uh, uh, that impressed me. So much. He said, who is this? Uncircumcised Philistine. And he should defy the armies of the living God. There's no wonder he said, is there not a cause? Now David recounted how that he had slain the lion and the bear. And uh, that was significant itself. But to face a giant is... Possibly almost twice as tall as him was another situation. But I couldn't tell that that stone he uh, slung there with his sling had any problem finding a giant that was that tall. It found its mark. But the interesting thing to me was he asked his brother, he said, Is there not a cause? In other words, you're standing here. You see this uncircumcised Gentile, Philistine challenging the armies of the living God and you're standing here is there not a cause it seemed to me like he was asking is there not a cause worth living and dying for is there not a cause that in other words we're, we're here and there's a standoff we, we believe in God we trust in God but we're acting like we don't we're standing here acting like the Lord can't deliver us now, a cause, if you begin to look at a cause, uh, you find a lot of people dedicated to various causes. Uh, I've seen people dedicated uh, to various charities, uh, to the, the hungry, to the homeless, uh, to uh, fight abortion, 
just have causes that really dominates their time and their life. But people dedicate themselves to various causes. And they spend all of their time and all of their energy toward that cause. Now, we have people in Alabama, and I'm sure you don't have them in Tennessee, that are so involved in football. And I like, now don't misunderstand me, don't throw a rock at me, I love football. I, I like to watch it once in a while, but I've got other, I've got other things, I've got an, another cause that's above that, you see. I, I really don't have a lot of time to spend on Saturday afternoons at a stadium getting home too late to stay awake on the preacher the next day. You know, I just, that's, that's fine. I like to watch it on TV once in a while. I'll catch a little. And, but in Alabama, why, if your cause is the University of Alabama, a lot of people just despise Auburn folks. You see, I mean, you can get things all twisted and vice versa. Their total cause is football. Now, I don't know what you would think about people. If Brother Lawrence went up to a stadium of 80,000 people and began preaching about Christ, I doubt seriously they would cheer and holler like they do at the football games or baseball games or whatever. It might, it might be nice. But you know, it, you wouldn't want to preach to a, a group of people that their cause was not of Christ. It'd be difficult. In fact, they'd turn you off. Wouldn't pay much, wouldn't pay much attention to you. The Lord himself had, had causes. In the book of Ephesians, we find in, uh, in this uh, chapter, he said in the fifth chapter of Ephesians, said, For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. What a wonderful thing. The Son of God deals with causes. There was something important, so important, in, uh, to, to the Lord Jesus Christ that he came here into the world to suffer and to die. He left the throne on high, left the seat of glory, came here born of a woman, born under the law, that he might redeem those that were under the law. And he tells us, of various things. And one of those we read in the book of John, where he said that we love God because he first loved us. And his love is an everlasting love. Yea, I've loved thee with an everlasting love. One place he was praying and he said that they may know that thou hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, lovest me before the foundation of the world. You won't know why Christ came into the world? Because of love. You want to know why Christ came from heaven above to save poor sinners who didn't deserve to be saved? Because of love. And so it's a wonderful thing to realize 
that he did something for a cause. So is it any wonder that David said, this God of Israel, this God who's been with us, who has delivered us, delivered our fathers, and, and, and given us all these blessings, and you're standing here afraid? Is there not a cause? Now, David felt like it was something worth fighting for and dying for, although it didn't seem like he had much idea of dying. Seemed like the Lord gave him a special blessing and a special knowledge upon that occasion. He, when he slew the, or hit the giant in the head, he didn't have a sword to cut his head off. So he used the giant's own sword. Can you just see that little fellow up on that old big giant standing on him, pulling that old big sword out? But he had a mighty God. And it's no wonder that he said, is there not a cause? Now God brings his spirit into our heart as a result of a cause. He tells us in Galatians 4 and 6, Because ye are sons, God has sent forth His Spirit into your heart, crying, Abba, Father, why are you born of His Spirit? Why does He send His Spirit into your heart? Because you're His by election, and now you're His by redemption. Because you are sons. Didn't send a... Didn't send His Spirit into our heart that we might become sons on our own, that we might work our way to heaven. But because He loved us and He died for us, He sent His Spirit into our, our heart. Crying out, Abba, Father. Now, as you begin to think today, is there a cause in your life or my life? How many causes do you have? Well, Joshua in the olden times told the children of Israel that you can only serve one God. So if you begin to discover what your cause in life is, what really takes your, uh, your thinking, your time and effort, and yes, even your money, then what is it? And we often refer to the cause of Christ. Because if we follow him, it's because he's in us. And if we live in his church, it's his church. If we follow after the admonitions and the directorship of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's the cause of Christ. So what do we dedicate our lives to? And Joshua said, if it seems evil unto you to serve the Lord... Choose you this day whom you will serve. The God of your fathers before the floods and the God of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. But he said, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Why? Because that was his cause. The Lord was his cause. Dedicated to the Lord. And he warned them. He warned them. He said, if you turn from him, even after he's done you good, he'll do you hurt. In other words, you won't have his blessings. Isaiah said, come let us reason together. Even though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. He said, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, then you're going to have the sword. And so he teaches us that in our cause... 
If we're willing and obedient to the things that he's instructed us, we'll eat the good of the land. We'll have the blessings of the Holy Ghost. The promise the Apostle Peter preached on the day of Pentecost to those people before they were baptized. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the mission of sin, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. What a great blessing to have the revealing of the Holy Ghost, the revealing of the Holy Spirit of God in our, in, in our own lives. So Christ came here into the world because we're of his flesh and of his bones, because we're his, because we're created in Christ Jesus. He had a cause to come here into the world. We're part of Him. We don't become part of Him after a while, but we were part of Him in the beginning. Because Paul said to Timothy, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ before the world was. The Apostle Paul in his preaching. And when he defended himself before the authorities of the land, he let them know that he said that I'm being persecuted for this cause that I preach the resurrection of Christ. I preach a resurrected Christ. And that's what all of our doctrine is based upon among primitive Baptists. It doesn't matter what other religion of the world you are, you, whether Buddhist or uh, Muslim or whatever, you can find their leaders and the tombs and their bones wherever they're buried. And it doesn't affect the outcome of their religion. But if you were to find the body of the Lord Jesus over there in the tomb, Jerusalem, it would do away with everything in which we hope, in which we believe in. And it's no wonder Paul said, uh, they, I'm persecuted and they're, uh, they're, in other words, they're after me. Because I believe and preach the resurrection of Christ. We find many places in the scripture where individuals, and you read the chapter of faith in the 11th chapter of Hebrews, and find where people sacrifice great things because of this cause. He tells us they were in dens oftentimes in caves of the earth. You know the experience of Moses. The experience of many of the Lord's children as they journeyed along. You remember the experience of Daniel cast into the den of lions because there was a cause greater than life itself. He turned his eyes toward Jerusalem and prayed as he had always done. The Lord delivered him. But Daniel didn't know that and the Hebrew children didn't know that when they were cast into the fiery furnace but they said the Lord's able. And you know, that experience is ours today. That no matter what the doctors say, when you come down with a, with a, a disease or an illness, we always know that God is able to deliver. And so we live in that faith. And we cling to it. Because the cause of, of His love and of being bone of His bone and flesh of His flesh and of His resurrection and of the hope of glory after a while is enough to keep us going. It's enough to strengthen us 
when our body is weak. And there is a cause for us. There is something worth dedicating your entire energies for. And that's to serve the Lord and give him praise and honor. Peter in his writing said, you're a chosen generation. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. That you might show forth his praise. Who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. We got a call. Somebody said, well, if you believe the Lord's going to save his people without their help. What in the world do you go to church for? What in the world do you do all this for? Well, that, all I got to do is just give them the words of the Apostle Peter. This is the reason you're called. This is the reason you're chosen generation. This is the reason you're holy people. That you might show for the praise of Him. You got a cause. Wherever you are, you have a cause. It's to show for the praise of God. The one who's called you out of darkness. In this marvelous light, the one that's given you the hope of heaven, you have a cause to worship Him. But now, I don't, I don't recommend dividing your causes. You know, one of the scriptures says, you cannot serve God and mammon. You can't be worldly and serve the Lord in that cause and give yourself totally and wholly to it. First commandment, you know, remember, you shall serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind. Is that our cause to serve the Lord? Or is that part-time cause? Because sometimes we feel motivated and we say, I'm going to do it. I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to visit more. I'm going to go to church more. I'm going to listen to more sermons. And then old Satan come along. The apostle said he's traveling to and forth in the world, seeking whom he may devour. Who's he after? It's the people who are following the Lord. It's the people who love the Lord with all their heart. People who want to be in church, want to do good things in the world. That's who he's after. He's already got to others. So don't think you're immune from it. But if you're dedicated to it, if your mind is upon it, and you don't put all this garbage in from magazines and internet and everything else, then it's going to be a whole lot easier to tell old Satan to flee, to put him behind you. Stay off the internet. Stay off of that, stay off of that junk. In the 12th chapter of the book of Hebrews, he said, Wherefore, seeing we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You've got a cause. You've got a race to run. You've got the witnesses all around. You're without excuse. God's children are without excuse if they fail to run the race. A cloud of witnesses, not just a drop here and there. Not just a little thin cloud that you can see through, but a cloud of witnesses. Not only throughout the scriptures, but even in our day and time. 
a cloud of witnesses that should tell us that this is the cause for which we should dedicate our lives to. You can aspire to great things. You can be the best doctor, the best dentist, or the best preacher, the best anything else. But I tell you, your dedication to Christ, dedication to his church, to his cause, is the greatest of all. And David said, is there not a cause? As I tell our young people oftentimes, that I've been a lot of places in the world, been in the presence of a lot of individuals that most people only see on TV or read about. Shook their hands, sat at a dining table with presidents. But I want to tell you, the greatest cause there is, I took up one day as a 13-year-old boy. And I came home to the old church. It's the sweetest path there is for the child of grace to walk here in the world. cause of the truth is so important. Jesus told a woman one time, said, They that worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. Search for the truth. Read and study the word of God. Pray unto the Lord. There's a lot of people out there in the world trying to complicate it. It's as simple as it can be. Jesus loves you. He came here because you were his. He died for you. And someday he's going to descend from heaven with a shout for you. That ought to cause all of us to want to be a member of the church, a dedicated member of the church. Dedicated to the cause of Christ. See how important the cause of Christ is? It's more important than any man. It's more important than the boast of any individual. And in the cause of Christ, he gets all the glory. Not any left for us.